0: Thank you. Good morning. Let's try it again one time. Good morning. morning. Hey, uh, if you're our guest here, we're so excited that you're here today, and we just pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, especially if you were here for the SIBI workshop. Thanks for being here, and thanks for staying with us through Sunday morning. We really do appreciate that. Um, I don't know if it's been said about you or to you, but at some point in time, somebody will say... Uh, they're not from around here, or you're not from around here, are you? And sometimes it's just little things. Maybe it's our clothing, maybe it's the way we talk, maybe it's our accent, y'all, all all right? Maybe it's something like that, but something gives us away, and, and people begin to realize that, hey, we're not from around here. I don't know if you've done any travel in Europe, but As Americans, it's if we have this neon sign above our head that says, yes, we are American, and yes, we are not from here. I want to let you know that I felt this, you're not from here, are you, at 17 years old. I was on a Greyhound bus, and I was going from Pueblo, Colorado to Odessa, Texas. Um, yes, I know. And, um, and I was going, I was on this Greyhound bus because my family had decided to relocate to Odessa, Texas. It was my senior year, and I was not a happy camper. And I remember riding the bus, and the first time I really felt this, you're not from here, is as soon as we hit the city limits of Odessa, Texas. When we hit the city, of, uh, the city limits of Odessa, Texas... I began to smell this smell, and it smelled like rotten eggs. And I was like, "I know I've been on a Greyhound bus for a while, but even the stink of a Greyhound bus is not as bad as this." And my face was all wrinkled up, and I was like, "And so I happened to be at the front, and I was sitting next to this. There was this older man by me, and he was looking at me, and." and I finally looked at him. I said, sir, I said, what is that horrible smell? And without skipping a beat, he said, son, that's the smell of. <laughs> you heard that, right? That's the smell of muddy." Now, really what we know it is, it's, it's you know, it's, it's hydrogen sulfide that comes from the drilling rigs. But... And is that one bad enough? The second one. was was right as soon as I got off the bus. My sister was there with a couple of her church friends, and they were here to pick me up. and, And after the greeting, they said, hey, let's go get a Coke. And I said, I don't like Coke, but I'll drink Dr. Pepper. And they said to me, okay, yeah, let's go get a Coke. And I said, excuse me. I said, I don't like Coke. I would like to get a Dr. Pepper. And this went on for a few minutes. And Finally, I realized they were asking me to go to Soda, and I said, if you really want to say it correctly, you, said, you would have said something like, hey, let's go get a pop. How many pop people are here? There we go. <laughs> we're right and everybody's wrong. <laughs> and that's the second time I felt like this. You're really not from here. We're in this series called Alien Life, and it's and it's this series out of the book of First Peter, and it's the difference between us and the world. And so far in our study, what we've really described is, is sort of is the beauty and the benefits of being an alien. We, we talked about the joy of being an alien, how we could almost take pride in the fact that we're an alien. And we talked about the hope that is, there is in being an alien. And then we've We dealt with what it is to be built up into an alien nation. But today, today, Peter is going to make a shift. And he's going to make a shift. And he's not going to talk about the beauty or the benefits of being an alien for Christ. He's going to talk about the strange behavior that comes from being an alien. And as a Christian, As a Christian, we live in this constant state, this constant tension with the idea and the concept that we are just not from around here. And Peter is going to talk about that, this strange behavior, this strange lifestyle for those of us who are aliens in Christ. I'd ask you to get your Bible out or whatever you use to read the word of God, even though this is the real one. All right. I'm just messing with you. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 11. It says this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, But do not use your freedom to cover up evil, but live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, and honor the king. Slaves, submit yourself to masters with all respect, not only to those who are considerate, but to those who are also harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten Instead, he entrusted himself to he who judges rightly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you, like sheep, have gone astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter begins this, as he actually began the letter itself, if you'll go over to chapter 1 and verse 1, I want you to notice a word there. The word there is strangers. Now, he's going to use that word in 1-1, and then he's going to come back to two eleven, and he's going to use the same word, and the word is this. When he says strangers, what he's saying is, you're from a foreign land. But there's something that Peter does very, very differently that's very important here. He uses a second term today, and he uses the word aliens. He says that we are strangers and that we are aliens. And this is significant for, about what, he, for what he's about ready to say. And an alien is defined there as this, as a foreigner without the right of citizenship. So when Peter was writing this, and he's beginning to talk about strange behavior and alien behavior, behavior that's very, very different, he's going to again qualify it with this. You're strangers, you're from a foreign land, and let me just not only tell you this, you're foreigners, but you have no rights. You have no rights. And this is going to become the backdrop for what he's going to say in this text that we're strangers, we're from a foreign land, and we have no rights as citizens. So what's this strange behavior? What is this strange behavior we're to exhibit as Christians in this strange land? And let me speak, in a sense, to very, very broad terms. In very, very broad terms, real large terms, it means this. We are to be radically different from what the world is. Amen? We're to be radically different than what we see in the world. And this makes sense, right? Because Jesus was radically different from that which was in the world. And he calls us to the same thing. And here's what that means for for the people he was writing to, Peter was writing to, but also to us is this principle. And it's going to be challenged today is this. Being an alien... Being a stranger means it's just not minor adjustments to our character. It's just not some minor things that we have to change. But what Peter's going to call us to today, and what he was calling to the, his, to the people who was receiving this letter is this. You're, this is going to be radical. This is going to be huge. There's going to be some changes I'm calling you to that are going to be very, very, very difficult It just wasn't this minor adjustment. And when he would do that, and when they did this, they glorified God, and the people around them said something like this You're not from here, are you? You're just not from here, are you? So, what is this strange behavior? The strange behavior, though, begins with a different thinking. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. And when I first read this, I thought, Peter, Peter, wait a minute. You're off topic. You're off topic, Peter. Peter, right now, you should be starting into this do's and don'ts, Peter. Peter, give us some do's and don'ts because that's what you're going to tell us, right? But Peter knows and the Spirit knows What's going on here? He says, here's what I want you to do. In order to have this strange behavior, this alien behavior, you've got to change your thinking first. And the th- way we need to change our thinking is we have to think, the, we have to change our thinking and begin to understand and see sin as God sees sin. And that is that sin is destructive, it's destructive. And Peter's going to call on us to abstain from a fleshly lifestyle. And literally what that means is this. He says, Peter's saying to his readers and to us, he's going, listen, I want you to hold yourself back from sinful desires. Hold yourself back from sinful desires. And further, he says, I want you to renounce your natural desires. And in this text... He's going to say, I want you to renounce your natural desires from unfairness, complaining, and rebellion. Those three things. And think about how drastically different that is from our world today, right? Sin is something that we just everybody does it and 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 it's just the thing we indulge in and and Peter is saying listen here's what I want you to do is this yeah we've all fallen uh, short of the glory of God we've all sinned but let me just say this I want you to start viewing sin the way God views sin and it's horrible and it's death and it's destructive and it's slavery and it's lawlessness and the question is this Peter why are you starting here Why are you starting here, Peter? Because Peter knows what we think determines what we do. Let me say that one more time. What we think determines what we do. How I think determines how I walk. What I think determines my walk, and Peter had it right. He says, what I want you to do before I talk talk about strange strange behavior and alien behavior, I want you to change your thinking, and I specifically want you to change your thinking about sin, because here's this. We will never, ever be strangers or aliens in this world if we don't hold to the view of sin that God does. Isn't that right? Right? So now the question is, Peter, what are this strange be- what's this strange behavior of al- as aliens? And he initially says this, he calls for us to live a good life, so much so that when unbelievers, pagans, look at it, they may see our good works and glorify God on the day that he visits. And as I began to look at this passage, I began to see these Themes that are running through here. There's these themes that run through that actually describe what alien behavior is. And the first one is this, a life of submission. A life of submission. And Peter calls us to live this life of submission. And I want to let you know, this is a challenging call. And he first says this, We are to submit to the king, supreme authority, governors, and later on, he will even say masters. We are to submit to every authority instituted among men. And this is so difficult. And it was especially difficult for them because... When he was writing this, the emperor was Nero. And in 64 AD, Rome is going to burn to the ground. And Nero is going to unleash a persecution on the Christians they've never seen before. And Peter is writing in the midst of this. And he's telling the New Testament Christians "Is I want you to be submissive even to Nero. And this is so difficult. It was, it's difficult for them and it's difficult for us. And while we may not live in the same institutions that they did in the first century, let me just tell you the principle holds the same as this: We are to live a life of submission to the God-appointed leaders of this land. Let me say that one more time. We are to live a life of submission to the God-appointed leaders of this land. And right about now, the eyebrows raise, and the hand goes up and goes, ho, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Just a minute. And all of a sudden, coming out of us are these things like, are you telling us that we have to submit to people who are, you know, not godly leaders? You're telling us we have to, what, what if we have to stand, listen, there may come a time when when we have to stand for God over government, but let's not miss the principle here. The principle here is this, is that we are to be submissive to those who have been our God-appointed leaders of this land. And in practical terms, here's what this means. In practical terms, it means this, that we are not a people of sedition we're not we are not a people who make trouble we are not we are not revolutionists we are people of submission and you're going you're going no way bill no way why should i do that look at verse 15 it is god's will it is god's will and i know this is hard but it's the truth peter is speaking it's the truth the spirit is speaking to us today and there's this there's this other aspect to this submission that is truly alien It is truly alien. It's truly out of this world. And it comes when Peter begins to address submission, even to the point of masters. And he says this I want you to be submissive to your master with all respect, not only to the good ones, now watch this, but even to the harsh ones. Even to the harsh ones. And I looked up this word, harsh. And you know what it literally means? It means crooked or bent. It means one who is morally and spiritually corrupt. They are unrighteous. And at this moment in time, we're going, wait a minute, Peter. Wait a minute. Why in the world should I ever do that? Do you know what you're asking me to do, Peter? And Peter goes, yes. And then he's going to tell us why. Why? And in one word, it's this, Jesus. Now, I want to let you know, see how this text works. Well, Watch this. Look at verse 18. Put your eyeballs on verse 18, all right? In verse 18, he comes to the end of this, and he goes, Even to the masters who are harsh, they're crooked, they're bent, they're morally and spiritually unrighteous people, And then in verses 19 through 25, he's answering why we should do that, why this should happen. And he says, I want to let you know, Jesus is the perfect example of why we should do this. Why? Because when they hurled hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. And Jesus is the reason why we are to endure suffering of unjust men Just like Jesus did. He called us to this type of suffering. He he did this to leave us an example of what we should do, and that's follow in his footsteps. And again, we may not have the same institutions, but we still have the same principle. And what Peter is saying here is this now listen carefully. It's better to unjustly suffer. Than to be an unsubmissive person. It's better to unjustly suffer than be an unsubmissive person. It's better to unjustly suffer than be a bad example to this world. Do you see that? It's strange and it's hard, it's difficult but it's what we're called to. Not only are we called to a life of submission, but we're called to be a life of honoring. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, and what he's going to do is he's going to use the word honor. Now, some versions say show respect, but it's the same word honor. It's like it's, it's bookend. There's honor and honor on both sides. We're to honor all men. We're to honor the king. And there's a couple things that are really unique about this verse. The first one is this. Every one of those, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, are all commands. They are all commands. And and what Peter is saying is this. I command you to honor everyone. Show respect to everyone. I command you to love the brotherhood. I command you to fear God, and I am commanding you To honor the king. The other thing that's really unique about this verse is the first time he uses it, the honor there. It's like he's saying, I want you to honor or show respect to all men. And then the way the verse is written and, and the tenses of those verbs in there, what he says is, now let me show you what that looks like. Let me show you what that looks like. To honor and show respect to all men, it means we love the brotherhood, we fear God, and we honor the King. And to honor means this we esteem, we show value, and we show respect. It means this as an honoring people, we unconditionally love the Brotherhood. We unconditionally love the Brotherhood, and that's alien behavior. And when, we, and when we love each other unconditionally, we're devoted to each other. And when we're devoted to each other, that's alien behavior. And when we're devoted to each other, we forgive each other. And that's alien behavior. And we bear each other's burdens, and that's, that is alien behavior. And honoring people fear God. There's this reverence for God, and this reverence for God leads, leads us to this reverent obedience. And finally, to honor the king. Honor the king. As an honoring people, listen to this. As an honoring people, we respect the leader of the people. There is honor shown to the person who God has placed in authority over us. Again, let me just say this. The person may not be honorable, but that doesn't change our behavior to them. We still honor the king. And I know this is hard. But you got to understand when Peter was writing this, he's writing it to a emperor who is a Christian hater. And he still says the same thing. This commandment still stands. It's alien behavior to be honoring people in a world... Where we only love those who love us, God comes in and says, I want you to do something truly strange. I want you to do something truly alien. And I want you to love all people. I want you to show respect to all people, especially those of the household of God. In a world where God is dismissed and trivialized, I want you to have a reverent fear for God. And in a world where civil leaders are verbally brutalized and denigrated, here's what I want you to do. I want you to respect the leaders God has put in place. And that is alien and strange behavior. Not only did God call us to a life of submission, not only did God call us to a life of honoring, but he called us also to a life of doing good. Do you know, sprinkled throughout this passage here, is this phrase, doing good? Watch this. Verse 12, that they may see your good works. Verse 15, by doing good. Verse 19, but if you suffer for doing good, you can endure it. This is commendable. And so in our example to this world, our actions before governing authorities, even those, even those who mistreat us, We continue to do good. I gotta let you know there's this beauty to this. Can I? This just helps me so much. Treated well, treated poorly, do good. Good times, bad times, do good. Feasts, famine, do good. Feeling down, feeling up, do good. And what Jesus is saying to us, what Peter is saying to us is this, just do good. And here's again, as if Peter is hearing us, why should I do good? Why should I do good to people who treat me wrong? Why should I do good to leaders who are mistreating us? Why should I do that? And again, he comes back with this one answer, Jesus Jesus is the perfect example of doing good in the midst of maltreatment. His life, His ministry, His sacrifice is an example to us to embrace this and to do good. And so the question is this. I know that there's struggles here today. I mean, I know people who are hurting and I know people who... Life's going well. I know people who are, who are struggling with disease. I know people who are struggling. I mean, I just understand life. I know people who are not happy with where we are. I mean, I understand all that. But here's the question. that all really counts is this. This next week, what good will you do? What good will you do? Because in doing good, here's what happens. People look at us and they go, you're not from around here, are you? You're not from around here. Today, we are strangers and aliens. We are in a very strange land. And as aliens, we have no right of citizenship. But it doesn't mean that our life does not have to have substance. It just means this. It just means that as aliens and strangers in this world we will be a people of submission and we will be an honoring people and we will be a people who do good works and I guarantee you again I guarantee you this that if we will live this life of submission and if we will if we will honor everyone and if we will do good people will come to us and they'll go you know what i think you're not from around here and i'm glad you're not from around here because i want to know where you're from and we'll go this we are from the kingdom of god amen today and I've never thought I'd offer an invitation like this. But if you want to be an alien, <laughs> don't you love it? I mean, just Peter, thank you. Hey, if you want to be an alien today, you can. And you know how you do that? you be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you begin to walk this very, very strange alien life and if we could help you with that come as we stand and as we sing